Digital Audio Project.com Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Russia. Hey, you, is any of this making sense? It's what I say makes sense to you. Email me, Russ at Digital Audio Project.com. And uh, I'd love to answer your emails. I've been doing a, a bit of a series here in the last few shows talking about some deep stuff. And I've been getting a lot of emails, people asking me to go back to basics. Not really asking me, but a lot of questions about the basics. The basics of uh, getting over this addiction. What What does, uh, you know, how do I just get through the day? You know, stuff like that. Um, and I will address that. I'm going to address that in a future show. I have a few more shows going, this show and the next show. The next show I'm going to have a guest, James Brooke and his wife Celia. Uh, James wrote a book called Taking a Bullet. And I talked about them in an episode, past episode a little bit. He's got a book coming out, well it's out, it's called Taking a Bullet. Uh, They basically had an affair. Their marriage went through an affair, and uh, the book is all about how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that when the bomb has gone off? The affair has happened, someone got caught, or someone confesses, and what do you do with that? That's what today's show is going to be about, mainly. Uh, Doing the show from my van again today. If you hear some background noise, I apologize for that. I just don't have time to be in studio all the time. I, I... have a full-time job sometimes it's more than full-time and with family and stuff like that it is just very difficult for me to record a show in studio but I'm getting uh, I'm getting better I'm getting more towards doing that more towards organizing my shows and my thoughts and my topics and I will be doing more shows in studio but uh you know, keep emailing me. Let me know how you like the show, what I should tweak, what I should do. I love your feedback. I like it. Even if you disagree with me, you know, email me anyhow. I like that, too. I like it when people take me on. I don't mind. Don't mind at all. I wanted to address something that was on uh, the Today Show uh, last week. Katie Couric had a guest on talking about porn addiction. I don't know if uh, any of you caught it, but he was talking about uh, a lot of the psychology and stuff behind it saying that, you know, guys get hooked on porn and sex is never the same after that. You know, they they get into these patterns of using sex. And basically, like I talked about in episode four with my Madagascar analogy, you know, we, we start looking at sex as a product and that's what it is. Um... He said that, you know, the guys never recover from that. I totally disagree. My show is all about the fact that you can recover from that, and sex can be way more rewarding. It can be a huge, better deal when it's done out of intimacy. So I don't know if it's because I come from a Christian perspective. I think Dr. Block, who is also a secular uh, psychologist, I think he would agree with me that it is sex is, is way better it's way more erotic it's way more rewarding it's way more fulfilling 
when we do it out of intimacy. But intimacy takes work, and I think that's the main reason why people get hooked on porn is because we don't know how to do intimacy. We're not connected with our spouse. We're not connected with people in our groups, with our friends. And, you know, it it comes out sexually. We need some kind of stimulation. Now those chemicals that run through our brain when we have an orgasm, when we're masturbating, when we're, we're seeing those pictures, those images... Uh, that is some strong stuff. That's why I say this addiction is just as as potent as an alcohol addiction or uh, drug addiction because it deals with the chemicals that are in our brain. And unlike an alcohol addiction, for example, an alcoholic an alcoholic can just stop drinking. Well, uh, for the sex addict, yes, we can stop having sex. But if we get in relationship with someone, we need that. We need to have sex. We need to be connected in a sexual way. And once we're married, that is, is sex is hugely important. A lot of marriage couples therapy folks will ask the question. I've talked about this in a previous show as well. But they will ask the question, how often are you having sex? I mean, they'll just drop that on you just to find out how your relationship is going. It's a great meter. It's like a temperature. It's like taking the temperature of your relationship to find out how often you're having sex. Now, I would put a disclaimer on that because we can be having sex, you know, three, four, or five times a week, and it'd still be unhealthy. And I talked about that as well in episode four with the Madagascar analogy. The reason being is because if we're just having sex for the sure pleasure of, of sexual gratification, then it can be, it can still be destructive. If you have, like, hate sex, for example, I've heard people talk about that, we're just going to be pissed off at each other and have sex anyway. You know, that's, of course, not healthy. People get into swing groups, try different toys, bring somebody else into the marriage bed because, you know, trying to spice things up because they feel like their sex life has gotten boring. The reason it's gotten boring is because you're not communicating. Uh, Relationships change. They evolve. They grow. They're never staying the same. That's what I'm trying to get my point across to you with my intimacy talks that I do. The last couple episodes I did on that. Looking at it as an adventure. Uh, Proverbs talking about looking at understanding and discernment and doing relationship as an adventure. Just like going after riches, going after treasure. Because it really is that important. It's just our attitude behind relationship that we need to change because it doesn't seem all that exciting, especially when we get in these patterns where, you know, we just feel like we're beat up and we're not, uh, we're afraid to engage our partner, our spouse, and that's where relationship breaks down. If we just keep withdraw, withdraw, withdrawing from each other, pretty soon we end up like the couple that Dr. Block talked about in episode 11. We're just sitting across from each other at the restaurant, not saying a word. Uh, living a marriage like that is no way to live. That's why people start using porn. Or one of the many reasons, I should say, why people start using porn. Or having affairs, for that matter. And that's the topic of today's show. What happens when the bomb goes off? What do you what do you do when you catch your spouse in an affair? Do you leave? Do you shout? Do you jump up and down? What is what is the right reaction for that? And guys, if you're looking at porn and your wife has a problem with it, God bless you. I I thank God that my wife did not tolerate my porn addiction. Um, every time she caught me using pornography, viewing pornography, it it smashed her. Smashed her heart all over the floor. 
like a light bulb. All the pieces just scattered everywhere. And she was crushed because I was using something else besides her for my own sexual gratification. It went back to her body image. She was, uh, how she felt about herself. Just a lot of hurt that it brought up. And for a lot of ladies, guys, they catch you using porn. It is the same kind of uh, hurt, the same kind of betrayal. Those same feelings come up as if you were having an affair. And I tried to minimize it, you know. Hey, I'm not, it's like, I'm not like I'm cheating. It's not like you caught me cheating or something. And, and that just enraged her even more. Because, basically, I was. And as far as the Bible goes, Jesus says, you look on another woman with lust in your heart, you are committing adultery. So, whether it's an affair, whether it's a physical affair, whether it's an emotional affair, or whether you're just using pornography, it's all a betrayal of the marriage, of the uh, relationship. And... Like I said, my guests on uh, next week's show are going to talk about what they did to overcome an affair. And I don't want to take anything away from that. I I think their witness, their testimony is huge and uh, a great example of two people plugging into God and saying, how do we overcome this instead of trying to solve everything on their own? And it goes back to the quicksand analogy, like I talked about uh, from the Tim Lucas talk he did on porn in the Bible. There's a guy in there talking about quicksand, how being in a porn addiction is like quicksand, and the more you struggle on your own, trying to do this on your own, the farther you sink. Same with an affair. You get caught in an affair, or somebody has an affair in the relationship, and ultimately, usually, I mean... the huge amount of anger, resentment, betrayal, these huge emotions that are going through you when that happens, your knee-jerk reaction is just to leave or kick the other person out, which may be healthy. A separation may be healthy for a, a, a period of time, but as long as you're still committed to your vows as people who are married... That's the biggest thing, is connecting with that and knowing that you cannot do it on your own. You're caught in this thing and somebody's had an affair, somebody's looking at pornography, and just plug in, get in a group, get to call somebody at your church, uh, talk to the pastors. Um, my guests on the next show were not connected. They were just kind of, like most people, they went to church on Sunday and, you know, they lived their lives like uh, the rest of us, like most of us out there. They weren't in groups, they weren't in community, and they decided to plug in. They decided to make a decision to fight for their marriage. Me and my wife made a decision to do that. We decided that underneath all the pain and all the hurt, we loved each other. And nothing was going to stand in the way of that. Even though sometimes, man, it got bad. It got harsh. Words were said can't tell you how many times we were on the brink of divorce. A little background on, on me and my wife. We got married. Uh, my wife was 19 and I was 20 years old when we got married. All of our friends at the time said that we wouldn't last. Our family didn't think we would last. Uh, all my friends in that kind of partying days back then, they were all divorced now. I don't know any of them today that are still married. Maybe one or 
too, but everybody thought we wouldn't make it. Everybody thought we were going to get divorced. And we did it. We struggled through it. It was a fight. It was a battle. People say things like, uh, you know, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. You know, what, what the heck does that mean? You think love is like puppy dogs and ice cream all the time? It's not. It's commitment. You are committed to that person. Even when the fluffy, lovey, warm feelings are, aren't there, you still love that person. You're still committed to that person. And they come back. Those fluffy, warm feelings are not always there. doesn't mean you're falling out of love. It means you've maybe fallen out of intimacy. And you need to refocus that. You need to find some stuff to talk about. You need to learn to plug into each other. I did an episode called The Computer in Your Head. I'd like to add a little bit to that analogy. And that is that your computer in your mind, I love what Dr. Block said about intimacy. He said a short definition of intimacy is basically we all have this dialogue, this inner dialogue going through our mind all the time. It's called thinking. We're running through our day and what's going to happen in the past, the future, the present, what we're going through now. And intimacy basically Dr. Block's definition is being able to share that with another person. Being able to network your computers together. Now, you're not going to share everything, and there's just so much stuff that we deal with on a daily basis that we can't possibly share at all. And some of those tender spots that we know are going to hurt the other person. But you need to start chipping away at those. Start talking to your spouse. Start opening up a little. Do you have a do you have an email account they don't know about? Do you unplug your cell phone? Or do you just not and take their calls and, and say that, oh yeah, my, my phone was turned off or just little stuff, little lies like that. It's part of understanding and discernment. It's part of uh, like I talked in the last episode about really getting that stuff out. Searching for those gems and jewels, as Proverbs calls it, of understanding and discernment. Why are we doing this? Why are we unplugging from each other? Why is it that we only say things like, uh, you know, did you pick up the kids from soccer today? And how was work? Don't get too much into detail. Are we really listening to our spouse and, and hearing them and understanding what they're going through? Listening is one thing, but hearing and sometimes even repeating back what they're saying. Don't just sit there and, you know, your wife's talking to you or your husband's talking to you and you're, you're reading the newspaper. And Are you doing that? Yes, dear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, did you hear anything I said? You ever had those talks before? I have. I was a disconnected person. I remember sitting in counseling and saying, you know, how do you... A lot of counselors will say something like that. Well, how do you feel about that, Russ? What what are your feelings towards that? You know, how do you you feel about that situation? And I'm sitting there going, you know, I really don't know how to feel. What the heck are you talking about? You know, I'm trying not to withdraw because... It's one thing about counseling. If you're paying 70, 80, 100 bucks a session... 
<laughs> you're almost kind of financially motivated to open up. I pray that you're doing that. You get into a counseling situation. You know what? Just spill it all out there. I heard a scary statistic today that said 25% of couples that go into counseling end up uh, divorcing anyway or end up saying that their marriages are worse. Um, I believe that part of that has to do with the... There are some inept counselors out there, and you really do have to shop around and find the right one that you both agree with. And that is possible to find one you both agree with. As long as they're reaching you at a heart level, as long as you can communicate and and reach out and tell that person what's going on, don't make them reach around and feel around to to find out what's going on with you. Because counselors will do that just to try and pull stuff out of you if they say something that you don't agree with, say it. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that. Don't close up in counseling. I found that counseling was a safe place for me to argue with my wife at first. I, I just closed up on her for so many years and didn't express how I felt about stuff for so many years that once I got into counseling, it's kind of a refreshing place to say exactly how I felt about certain things. I love my wife. She was the sweetheart of my youth and is still my sweetheart today. That love down at the bottom of all the gunk and all the hard, crusty shell around our hearts, the love was down inside there, and that was my motivating factor. I didn't want anybody else. I just want my wife. That's who I want. I love my wife. I want my wife. Period. Now, I was not showing that. Wasn't showing it in my sexual behavior. But I had so closed up, not just her, but on just about everybody, because I didn't know how to do intimacy, because I didn't know how to communicate, because every time I tried to put my heart out there to expose my heart, to expose what was going on in my head, I was either embarrassed... Or I was, you know, I was made fun of, I was embarrassed, or it was just pain. You're not supposed to be feeling that way. Stop it. I developed a pattern, and it took years to break that. And it's still, I still work on it. I still work on it every day. Being able to share what's going on in my brain with my... Why I'm not always plugged in. Why... You know, what's going on with the family? I'm, I'm sharing how I feel about helping out with coaching the Little League and being involved with my daughter, helping her with homework. Wrote a poem with her last night as a we both collaborated with it together. Put our hearts together and our minds together and cranked out a, a poem. We had to use a certain amount of words. That's what the teacher gave us, a bunch of nouns and verbs and adjectives that we had to use. Maybe I'll put that up on the website, let you check it out. It has to deal with uh, has to deal with control, the poem. What happens when we try and control everything? And what happens when we let go? Sharing how I feel about our romance between me and my wife, how we are connecting, how we are relating to each other, what struggles she's going through, what struggles I'm going through that stuff that we did not talk about for years in our marriage, I 
I'm starting to do now. And sometimes it causes friction. It causes uh, fights and stuff. But you know what? When we get to the bottom of our hurts, what's important in life between both of us, and we find that common balance between what we want to do and what is beneficial to our marriage, that's where we're we're connecting. That's where our marriage is being repaired. And I know you're thinking, man, you're probably out there thinking, you don't know how bad it is, Russ. You don't know how bad our relationship is, our marriage is. You do not know how bad it's gotten. Well, you don't know. <laughs> my, my marriage was a mess, a disaster, a total wreck. And I'll tell you, if I can do it, you can do it. I've said that before. Say it a thousand times. If I can do it, you can do it. Find that balance. Stop withdrawing. Stop trying to control. Stop with the disappointment. Work on it. Find that balance. Find that common ground. Bring your hearts together. And find out who each other are. Find out who you are. Do you even know who you are? Find that stuff out. We get so bogged down with work and bills and the kids and it, we, it's just exhausting and we try and connect as a couple but I'm telling you part of the adventure of this life of the Christian walk is finding those jewels and gems of understanding and discernment I'm telling you it's rewarding It's awesome. It's everything that Proverbs says it is. James and Celia's story, uh, they are dear to my heart. This is not just another author on my show. Uh, We went through group with these folks. When we started, when me and my wife started group, couples group therapy type of thing, it was a church group, marriage group. And a lot of times it was just the four of us, me and my wife and James and Celia. And they are the couple I was. I said in, pro, in prior episodes where I just sat down and I said, I'm just going to be blunt and emotionally naked and I'm just going to lay it all out there. And I bet I blow these Christian people out of the water. They're going to totally reject me. Well, little did I know when I walked in the room with that attitude that they were going through what they were going through. Part of being in group and talking about this stuff is is what you're listening to now. This is this show. It's James writing this book that I think will touch thousands if not millions of lives. How they dealt with the pain of infidelity. I'm just trying to give you hope because I know it's out there. I know there's hope. You can do this. The bomb goes off. I don't have uh, real statistical information on this, but I do know a counselor, a couple of counselors who say that after the bomb goes off, there's an affair. Uh, Someone's caught cheating. Somebody's caught with their sexually compulsive porn addiction. Most of the time, over half the cases, that marriage ends in divorce. Sadly enough, I'm not trying to say this to scare you. I'm just telling you the facts. I get email from listeners who say I'm addicted to porn. 
maybe had an affair, haven't told my spouse, how do I tell them? That's where my disclaimer comes up. This show is, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist. This show is produced from a Christian standpoint. I believe what the Bible says. And I believe that there is healing that can be done. And you're probably thinking, you know, it's going to take a miracle. Well, maybe it will. But miracles happen. Relationships can be healed. Again, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist. This show is not necessarily for therapy, supplement therapy, I believe, but uh, I'm not your counselor. I just want to stress that. I believe that if the bomb is going to go off, if you're going to confess this to your spouse, to your parents, if you're a teen struggling with this addiction, you need to get with a counselor first. You need to get with a pastor. You need to get with a youth pastor. Somebody who understands. Talk with them first about your addiction and, and see how they respond. Are they just going to kick you out of church? How, how are they responding to this? I believe that if the bomb is going to go off, confessing it in front of a pastor, having a team around you, like calling in the bomb squad when there's a bomb in a building or a school or something like that, you know, the cops call in the bomb squad to come in and defuse the, the bomb, defuse the situation, or to help contain the blast. You need to do that. Talk with a counselor first. Talk with your pastors first. And hopefully they are open to you. If you go in and you say, I'm addicted to pornography, and you get shot down like I did, your church is probably not a safe place. Find another one. Find somebody who is. Find a counselor. Get in community. Before the bomb goes off. And I'll tell you, if you're addicted to porn or you're having an affair and you're just kind of justifying it, maybe you're listening to this show thinking, I don't know, what's this guy all about? Let me tell you, the bomb's going to go off someday. It's only a matter of time. I used to be a machinist. I've been in, uh, involved in the computers since I was, since I was a kid. And I know that you may have get, got away with it for a certain amount of time, but every time you cheat, or every time you're looking at porn, every time you're chatting with that person on the chat line, you're flirting with the bomb. You're nudging it. You're bumping it. You're pushing it off the table, and it's landing on the floor. I know about statistics. Eventually... That bomb's going to go off. Do you want to have it contained? Do you want to have people around you that can help you with that? Before it goes off? Help you control the blast? I'm telling you, it is so critically important. Not only to get this problem solved, to get this thing fixed, to deal with your addiction, but to help cushion the blow to your family. 
you need to be talking to a counselor if you're in this sexually compulsive phase that I've talked about in earlier episodes. You can't do it on your own. We live in a society where we look all around us and there is debris from bombs going off. There's hurting families. There's people who are looking at their kids and saying, yeah, I'll see you on the weekends. Bye. Does that tear you up? Does that tear you up that could happen to you? What about your wife? The bride that you once loved so dearly. Now you're disconnected. That person is still there. Their heart is still in there. That loving relationship that you once had, that heart-to-heart connection that you once had, it's still in there. Fight for it. Please, fight for that marriage. Fight for that relationship. Are your kids hearing you fight? Are your kids noticing that distance between you? Kids can sense it. Do they feel an icy, cool distance? Do they feel the fights? Do they sense the selfishness on either side? Do you want to be hope for those kids? Your kids believe in God? Are you trying to get them to believe in God? Are you trying to show them the, the way? Being part of the body of Christ, and I've said this before, But being part of the body of Christ, being the hands and feet of Jesus, is recognizing that those kids are praying to God that you do not split up. Some of us guys, we we get so down on ourselves like I was. Maybe it's just better off if I was gone. Because I'm such a freaking failure, piece of crap. That's how I felt about myself for a while. But I didn't because I saw in my children's eyes and in my wife's eyes that down underneath my horrible behavior, my vampire-like suck-in-the-blood sexual lust, wanting to stay in the darkness attitude, behavior, underneath all that, I was... I was a good guy. I was the guy that loved them. I was dad. I was husband. I am. That's who I am. What's most important? Family. That's who's most important. You think guys lay on their deathbed right before they die and they think, you know, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. wish I would have spent more time in chat rooms or check an email or you know no when you're on your deathbed you go through like a major surgery or something like that and you open your eyes what do you, who do you look to it's family you can't take anything else with you you know what you take with you relationships with other folks that's it period you do not take your stuff you do not take your house you don't take your stocks and bonds your mutual funds you do not take your boat your cars you take those precious relationships decisions you make today are going to affect your kids and the generations of kids that come after you that's biblical it's true The decisions you make right now are going to affect the rest of your life. 
You have a map. You're on an adventure, whether you like it or not, whether you acknowledge that or not. You are on an adventure, and you're plotting a course. Where is that course going to be? Where is it going to end? It's up to you. It's up to the choices we make right now. But I'm an addict, Russ. I don't know how to stop. Neither did I. But I sought help. I got free. I work on it. I work on our marriage. I work on my relationship every day with my wife and my kids and my community. It takes courage. I was just as big of a chicken as a lot of folks. I was afraid. I was scared. I was afraid to talk to people. You know, I've been in sales for a lot of years, and I'm real good on the surface. I can put up a facade, and I'm not nervous at all when it comes to just talking to people about surfacey stuff like baseball or football or, you know, products. When it comes to heart issues, man, that's when I started getting scared. I used to. Took courage to face that stuff. My daughter noticed that about me. She said, Dad, you kind of look almost shy at church when we first started going, when we first came back to the church. And I'm not shy. Normally in my social life, I shake hands with people. I'm friendly. But when I came to church, I was, I was almost a little shy. Because church is an intimate thing. It's intimate worshiping God and being in a bunch with a bunch of folks and you start shaking hands with people and talking to people and you know I was real uh, I was real guarded for a long time and we were counseling with uh, Pastor Dan at our church me and my wife a few times and he got this marriage group together had about uh, three or four couples we met in a coffee shop and decided to form a group Dan said I'm not going to be there I'm going to throw out some guidelines but uh, just talk about this stuff stop playing the blame game learning how to take personal responsibility for our own sin I did this because you no it's not it the Bible says that over and over again you are personally responsible for your sin. We can't help what's done to us. We can't help the pain that's inflicted on us, the other people's sins that happen to strike us. But we can control how we react to that. I said it before, I'll say it again. 80%, 80-20 rule. 20% of life is what happens to you. 80% is how you deal with it. You can choose to close up. You can choose to go back to that situation. You can choose to get back on that chat line. You can choose to email that person. You can choose to look at porn. Or you can make a courageous choice. And that is to take this stuff on and start to fight for your family. Be the hero. Be the hero that your wife and your kids know you are at a heart level. Maybe they've distanced themselves from you. Maybe they're backing away from you. Maybe they're afraid to open up to you. 
men, women, at a heart level, somebody's got to be the hero. Somebody's got to stand there with a sword in their hand and start to fight. Kind of a Dr. Phil thing. I got that from Dr. Phil. I'm almost... I like Dr. Phil a little bit, but don't agree with everything he says, but that's one thing I do agree with. Fight. Someone's got to be the hero and step up. Take this stuff on. Again, I hope this stuff is making sense. If it isn't, please, if you have a, a, a disagreement, you think what I'm saying is unrealistic, please email me, please. It's russ at digitalaudioproject.com. What I'm saying is true. I believe that I am standing on biblical truth. I am deep in the study of psychology. Dr. Block's work has uh, touched my life in a, in a way that uh, makes more sense than most psychologists out there. I believe uh, his secular books, they are still very, very biblically sound as far as their truth. At the end of the day, we get to ultimate truth. We communicate down to ultimate truth and facts... Learn how to bring our emotions together. Learn how to find that balance. And we love each other. That's the show for this week. Send me an email, russ at digitalaudioproject.com. The website is now just Digital Audio Project. Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Thanks again for listening. Remember, it's worth the fight. Sex is so much better when we connect. Way better than any pictures on a flickering screen. When that shallow relationship. Sexual self-control is an awesome reward. I no longer have to have an anxiety attack when my wife starts looking through the folders in the computer. My wife decides to meet you at work. Well, let's see what kind of email you're getting, honey. In the office. You no longer have to have them anxiety attacks once you get free. If I can do it, you can do it. Until next week, we'll be talking about the book, Taking a Bullet, with James Brooke, his wife, Celia. It's going to be an awesome show. If you can send a donation, I would sure appreciate it. It's uh, russ at digitalaudioproject.com, the website digitalaudioproject.com. You can click on the link to pay there if you want. Send a donation. It's a secure deal. It's all done through PayPal. Uh, stand with me financially, and I would, man, I'd appreciate it. I'm a broke dude over here on this end. I hate asking for money, but it has to be done. Thanks again for listening. Until next week. 
Bye.